Thanks for listening to Because Radio. Emma Carey here today, joined by Nigan Sinclair, Indigenous Curator of the Forks National Historical Site, to learn more about the recent opening of the gathering space within Nijozi Bean, formerly known as South Point at the Forks. Nigan, thank you so much for being here today. Bonjour, uh, thanks for having me. Can you start by sharing with our listeners what the gathering space represents and how it can serve our community? Yeah, so the gathering space is just sort of a short name that we used for it. Um, we're actually calling the lodge space uh, a wigwam, which is the traditional name for what that structure is. And um, I guess we haven't really come up with a name for that area yet, but we will eventually. But right now, the gathering space is just the space just off the side of the bridge um, going on to Nijo Sibin, which is the south point at the Forks. Uh, Nijo Sibin means two rivers. That's the name uh, Clarence Nipanak gave to that space. Um, the entirety of the sort of, uh, the people, a lot of people call it the island, even though it's not really an island, but um, just off the other side of the bridge, the Forks. And that space is uh, always been denoted as uh, indigenous space uh, at the Forks, ever since the very first developers back in the 1980s. And so a number of ideas have come up since that time, a uh, craft village, a, a treaty building, um, an amphitheater for performance spaces for indige indigenous artists and so on. Um, and uh, some of those things have come in, come in and come out and that kind of thing. But uh, this is the uh, the installations uh, part of uh, the second phase of a three part installation at the uh, Mijo Sibin, which involves a traditional space, a ceremonial space, a place in which people can hold weddings and namings and uh, so on. And, uh, you know, also a place for people to come together uh, in kind of a quieter way than in, at Odena, for example. At Odena, it's very much a large scale kind of venue. A lot of people watch. Uh, some people don't feel comfortable with that when they do a moon ceremony, for example. And so so we want to be able to encourage a space for everyone to to come. And so this wigawam is based on uh, Medewin principles, Anishinaabe principles. Um, it's this structure that uh, for many years, for millennia, we lived in. We did our political life in, our social life, our cultural life, ceremonial life, all in that space. And uh, there's many teachings that are within that building as well. And so, um, yeah, we're very happy to bring that back. And of course, we have to remember that our ceremonies were illegal for nearly a century. So to have this back in the most important space in Winnipeg and also the space in which Indigenous peoples always lived permanently, which is what the Forks is. It's Forks is was named Nestawea by Indigenous people, meaning three points. It's a permanent space for Indigenous peoples. Uh, it's always been that way until the late 18th century where non-Indigenous peoples move in, smallpox epidemic happens, and then people move up the river to Selkirk and uh, or Netley Creek or Nibu and Asipi that we called it. And so, you know, and also people scattered throughout the rest of the territory as well. Um, to go back to their traditional homelands as well as these uh, territories that we lived in in what's now downtown Winnipeg. And can you share a little bit about what your role was in the development of the space? Yeah, so I'm in charge of everything at the Forks that's Indigenous and um, uh, there we have some wonderful elders, Clarence and Barbara Nipanak, who've done that role for a long time as well. So we sort of work, like, work in partnership. Uh, they do some, uh, for instance, the teepee the storytelling in the winter time. They also have their own special Indigenous history tour that they do of the Forks, and they've been doing that work for a long time before I was there. And so, I'm simply there to provide the networks and sort of professional art uh, 
some history, some archival research uh, necessary to be able to sort of fill in the stories that are necessary at the forks for that people have been asking for a while. Like, um, why are there no in obvious indigenous installations, for example? And uh, like, why are there no markers or signs in indigenous languages, for example? So those are the kinds of things that I've done. And the things that I've overseen are like the Nimama South Point installation, which is the kind of marker that you're entering the forks from the South Point. And it's a wonderful art piece put in by Casey Adams and Val Vint and Jamie Isaac, curated by Julie Nagam. And so uh, that's a really great installation and then uh, there's also a number of art pieces that uh, Casey Adams and Jamie Isaac and Val Vint have done namely Val Vint's Education is the New Buffalo which is right on that the South Point as well and then uh, I've also overseen a number of other developments at the Forks it's not only just uh, the Wigawam um, and that installation what's called we're calling the gathering space but there's a brand new installation which is uh, more art coming in at the South Point but uh, I also do the walking tour uh, I'm the voice of the walking tour, and so I helped in the creation and production of that uh, at, you can download that at the Forks website. Um, and, and then, of course, I also do all the, uh, we'll call it, relationships with the Indigenous community that happen at the Forks. And, you know, there's lots of different ways that that happens. Uh, some of them is very positive, like, for instance, uh, marches and gatherings at uh, Odena. Some of them are negative interactions like for example uh, we've had some issues around racism at the forks and uh and some conflicts between uh shop owners and members of the public for example so we've had to sort of provide some training and some support in that area and so i do it all i do all of those things can you describe uh, a little further the wigwam structure and what our listeners can expect to see and experience when they visit yeah, so the wigwam structure is for everyone, right? People would look at it and go, well, that's a very Indigenous space. And yes, it is. Uh, it should be in always Indigenous-led, meaning that uh, whether you're there with an Indigenous person or whether you're following Indigenous principles, if you're a non-Indigenous person when you're there, uh, principles of respect, for example. So one of the things that, that we've really struggled with is people shouldn't be riding their bicycles in the structure, right? And it should be a space in which uh, you're walking, you put your bike to the side and then you walk inside. But, you know, some people have uh, not thought about that. And I think non-Indigenous peoples aren't used to thinking about Indigenous peoples. And non-Indigenous peoples are conditioned most often to think of themselves. And Indigenous peoples, quite the opposite. Indigenous peoples are conditioned to think of others first. And so, so we, you know, one of the struggles that we've really had is just to sort of think about what a, what a respectful space involves. And so the structure is, like I said before, based on the Anishinaabe Medewin principles. So it's like a lodge structure and it's a long lodge. It's not a teepee. It's certainly not a sweat lodge. <laughs> sweat lodge would be infinitely smaller than what the structure is. The structure is about, uh, I think it's around 50 feet or so, and then about 15 to 20 feet on in the middle and it's a uh, it's a structure that is long there's different doorways there's different principles that go into the building of it uh, that involve the ribs also the path that goes on the on the roof of the building um, you'll notice that the tamareks which we collected from fairford first nation and was built by the way the lodge was built by jason parento who is a traditional knowledge keeper in town uh, he's also Medewin as well, as well as uh, Kirby Nelson and several other people who participated in the building of that lodge. Really wonderful people, friends of mine. 
and, and so we all built it together. Uh, we planned it out together and so on. And the Tamarack, um, they come together like like arms holding one another at the top. And that's because the lodge is a structure of connection. It's a, it's a lodge, a structure of relationship where we think about relationships. And so uh, the key there is to think about the ways in which the lodge uh, can connect us, not just with each other, but with the land, with the water, with the earth, with the air and how those things, we think about those, which is another way to describe a university. So the structure is also an educational place, right? It's this place in which we study the universe. And so, uh, you know, oftentimes there would be a tarp on top of it. We're not putting a tarp on for now. Um, we may in this in the future, but it's a structure that right now is uh, available for anyone to go see. And you can you can also see a wonderful uh, homage that's to Manitowapi and the turtles, the turtle structure, which is right beside it. And uh, yeah, you'll, you know, and it's also wheelchair accessible, which cost us a number of dollars to make sure that our relatives who are, are in wheelchairs were able to access the site. So in addition to the wigwam, there's a number of other traditional elements that make up the space. Can you share the significance of those elements? Sure, yeah. So of course there's a fire pit, which is a necessity for the lodge. So that's right in the middle. There's feast tables, which is just off to the side there. And uh, so that was my idea. I wanted to have a feasting area. So, uh, and uh, you know, so I wanted to have tables off to the side for the community to do so. Uh, there's also stones that have been installed through from from sites throughout Manitoba, and so they're the seating area. So if you do decide that you want to come and you don't want to sit in the lodge, you don't want to bring a lawn chair and sit in the lodge because there's no there's no chairs in the lodge. You have to bring your own. Uh, you can bring a blanket and sit on the stones. Um, there's a wonderful sort of cage structures that hold up the stones in order to hold them into place. And so you can put a blanket on there and you can watch uh, any of the things that are taking place in the lodge. We're also been, you know, there's also been a lot of spontaneous drum circles that have been held there. So, so sometimes those have been held in the lodge. They've also been held on the turtle structure itself. So you can go sit on there. Uh, you can hang out. So there, those the turtle structure is perfect to sit to be sitting to be sat on, and uh, it's meant for that. Those stones are meant to be enjoyed. You know, they're not. They and it's almost impossible to move them. So. The way that the 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 pathway goes uh, reminds you of the serpent from the uh, or the snake from Manitowapi as well. So uh, those at Manitowapi, there's a uh, there's a turtle structure, there's a snake structure, which are paired together, and so we we've sort of given an homage to that by the site as well. The gathering space is the culmination of nearly three million in investments at Nijos Ebeen in the last three years from organizations like the Winnipeg Foundation and Manitoba 150 Host Committee. Are there any final touches left to complete? Uh, just some stuff for the lodge, uh, the tarp I mentioned and so on. Um, we've got a few lighting fixtures I understand that are going in as well for safety purposes, but pretty much done. And yeah, it's the culmination of a long series of work and it feels like a finished version because uh, you know it was so hard to convince people that this site was important and it took so many meetings and if it wasn't for the visionary leadership of Claire McKay at the Forks uh, North Partnership and and the Forks Foundation and so on like just just the visionary leadership of her and then the support that we've had of Paul Jordan you know the CEO of the Forks and the fact is that you know it takes a village to to make any change and and this wasn't just something that I did. It was something that I joined with Jason Parento to do, with Claire and with Paul. And 
And uh, yeah, just it, it took a lot of hands. And then formerly uh, Toby, who is the former vice president of the Forks as well. And so, uh, you know, took a, a great deal of uh, hands to help and help build this lodge. So it wasn't just the lodge that got built. It was also the, you know, the people who involved. Um, so it does feel like a culmination, but it's a uh, uh, it's there's more to come, you know, there's more to come at the Forks. And uh, sorry, I got, I just wanted to make sure I got his name properly there, but Toby Chase, who is the former vice president. So, and so um, the fact is that uh, there's another installation yet to come. It's some sort of artistic space that's going to be in the center of uh, Nijo Seabean. And so uh, that's very exciting. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. It was a pleasure to have you. Miigwech, and thanks for having me. Because Radio is produced by the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with 93.7 CJNU-FM. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes or subscribe to our podcast, please visit becauseradio.org.